appreciate y'all tuning in to another episode of the Blisses Ignorant Podcast. Yo, I'm here today, man. Joining uh, me on the Blisses Ignorant Podcast, man, is I consider this dude an OG, man. Um, and and uh, met him a while, a while back when I was early in the game, man. But this dude is definitely a comedic beast. And he comes from the comedic hotbed of Chicago, man. Give it up for my man, Sean Morgan, in the building. Sean, what's good? What's good, brother? Nothing, man. Hey, so let me take you back. And, and you know, you've probably done thousands of shows. But I was, it was in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we was doing a, a bar. It was like a bar show. And right. I was young in the game. I might have been in there maybe two and a half years if I was stretching it. You know what I mean? But right. the, the, the crowd... Uh, you know, it was one of them aggressive crowds, you know, like, like a crowd that we yeah, that we yeah, come yeah. used to, like the crowd that not set up for comedy, but they was they was there to have a good time. But they was they was hood. It was ghetto. It was like, you know, that abrasive type joint, the type of crowd that ain't going to allow you the the the, the new joke. They, they want they want the heat from the beginning on. And right. for me to be able to sit back as a young boy in the game and see you dissect that crowd the way you did was was phenomenal like it 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 taught me so much to to not not try to match the energy of what they were giving you know what I mean like I was too young in the game not to know hey man just do you don't worry about them you know what I mean and it was it was like it was eye-opening for me that night well yeah it's it's always about the crowd is is a a pool full of sharks so if you believe attack if you just swim, you're fine. Just don't flop around like a dead seal, and you'll you'll typically get out of it. So, right. Yeah. But um, what was her name? Josie. Did she pass away? Yeah, she did pass away, man. Um, she passed away maybe four years four years ago, I think. Might've I think it was very long after that show. I don't know. I don't know if it was that soon. Um, but I do remember that was Josie that put that show on. But uh, I think I had brought brought up there by uh, Shelby. I think brought me up there. Okay, yeah. Shelby Walton, who worked who worked with Josie. But uh, yeah, I do remember that man, and um, I just remember just the, the style that you had and and, and how you did, like just the jokes that you were telling. I was like, Dad, this dude is killing with every single joke he tell. And then I think it was a heckler in the audience. And I think you dissected her too. And I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. Like for me, it was, it was mind blowing. Now I, I get it. You know what I mean? But being that young in the game, it's kind of like, you just, you know, prepared to kind of see stuff like that. You know what I mean? But, yeah. uh, you know, you, you had great tutelage. Um, you know, if anybody knows your story, um, you had great tutelage and then coming in Chicago and you had early success you know, I mean, a lot of people don't have, like a lot of people don't get a chance to start early and then be able to do a lot of the things that you was able to do early on in your career. Um, some people had to work a long time before they even actually touched some of the stuff you was able to do early on. You know what I mean? And then be able to work with somebody like Bernie Mac. You know what I mean? So like, what was it for you that made you want to jump on stage? Um, it was, it, I guess the simplest Way to put it is, I always knew I wanted to entertain, just didn't know how. Sing, sing, rapping, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, my mother actually grew up, well, not grew up with, but graduated high school with Bernie. And oh, wow. I ended up school with his daughter. And so, watching his, he was already successful to adults. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we were kids. So, to, to watch his, mainstream success mm-hmm. uh, from that point i remember the death jam the first step jam and, and you know her coming to school with his death jam jackets and him having small roles and who's the man and different stuff and even though he had been a comedian 100 years you know <laughs> right it, it was still me seeing his rise to being bernie and right. so people always saying to me yo you need to be a comedian you need to be a comedian having somebody like that who I can actually pick their brain and um, talk to about it is what eventually ended up getting me into it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, being in Chicago, too, I mean, the the open mic scene or just the the number of comedians that actually came out of Chicago or the names that you can name, like, a handful of comedians and everybody go, damn, they from Chicago, too. And it's just, it's just a lot of people, you know what I mean? And it's just iron sharpens iron. 
Some people fall through the cracks and some people don't even recognize some of the beasts that's out there. You included. I mean, I mentioned your name to a lot of people when people start naming Chicago, people out of Chicago, or comedians or whatever. And then people be like, who is that? I like, man, listen, go look them up. You know what I mean? Go look at some clips. You know what I mean? And you might hear some jokes, some people telling some jokes that he did. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, it's just like one of those, one of those type of situations that comedians know other comedians. Like people know who beast and who ain't, you know what I mean? And it's hard right. to kind of give people their flowers and let people understand, you know, who to respect and who to be like, are right, they okay? Stop, like calm down a little bit off that one. You know what I mean? It's kind of like people like you hating, like, nah, I'm not hating. I'm just telling you cream rise to the top. But sometimes some people miss that. Some people right. don't, some, some people miss it. And some people look at the, they look at what's sell, what's, what's marketable and doesn't, don't, don't look at what's actually funny. You find a lot of the beast comedians or the people that are really beast on stage as writers now, as opposed to the, what their first love is, which is being on stage. You know right. what I mean? And I think that, that, that's where it falls through the cracks. And I just, people, people really got to go back and really look at what, what what our art form is what our art form comes from and who really has a great pen and who just out there clowning you know what i mean so right. that's, that's the meaning and the comedy absolutely absolutely i'm mean, absolutely i mean uh this whole covid situation like what did that do for you does did it slow you down like everybody else did you continue to do shows or were you just like i'm not i'm not i'm not touching the microphone well i was i was in a a hiatus from 2018 anyway. Yeah. So uh, people just didn't notice that, you know, but I was, I was really going through a lot at that time. So yeah. um, 2018, I was doing things locally in LA, not much. Uh, 2019, same thing, bare minimal um, shows, not going on the road, not nothing, no road work. Yeah. Um, so COVID hit, um, it was a forced break. And so I, I really, after, after a couple months, questioned if I would even return to the stand-up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having that break and then another break and then uh, a forced break, uh, it was something that I didn't even know if I was going to come back. So because COVID it, it ravaged through me and my family and my friends, like you got people who don't believe that it's real, but I can show you like almost 30 obituaries, no exaggeration to the number, that is very real. You know what I mean? My right. uncle died the same day and my grandfather died a week later. And then, it, you know, it was, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And this this within the first two weeks, you know, my aunt and my granddaddy and it was out of there last year, March 30th. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so, you know, it didn't quarantine didn't start to the 15th. Right, so within, right. I already lost three of the most important people in my life. So um, I didn't think that I had the mental capabilities, the wherewithal to do it, but um, I quit drinking and that was the start of my mental rebuilding. And so I came back, um, I, I sat out most of the, the pandemic. I came back in April this year okay. and it's, it's very limited capacity few minutes here, a few minutes there. I'm not stretching out. I'm not headlining. I'm not going on the road. I'm just, I, I tell people all the time, I'm trying to figure out if I'm 45 Jordan or Wizards Jordan. That's which <laughs> one I'm talking that's a, that's a good analogy, man. It's like, um, we all, felt, I, I felt strange when I got back on. Like, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. I, I did stretch some things out. Um, last, last few weeks, I had like a weekend in uh, Myrtle Beach. And I, I had a headline spot, so I was able to just kind of out there stretch my legs out and just feel through some stuff and and mess around. And it, it felt good again, you know what I mean? It felt like right. it was supposed to be. Like, unlike the time, like, right before the pandemic happened, I felt like I was on the top of my game. I felt like I was unstoppable. Like, I had a, a great run. The last show I did, I felt like I had control of the complete, complete control of the audience from beginning to end. And then it was like, bam, nothing. You ain't doing nothing for the next year and a half, you know what I mean? So right. it, it was, it was, it was a struggle. Now, now the hiatus, was it, was it a mental break? Was it, was it, uh, did you fall out of love with doing comedy? Like, what was it? Um, I think it wasn't that I necessarily fell out of love. I think that I was angry. Okay. With comedy. Because once the pandemic hit, 
um, like it was people who were doing well because mm -hmm. they they had enough of a nest egg or they had enough whatever. And I wasn't one of those people. It got really, really tough and there was no way to do anything. So I did a couple of the Zoom things. Yeah. Um, that definitely wasn't like enough money to do with anything. Um, and it, it was more like, wow, comedy, 20 years I gave you and this, this happens and this is where I am. Yeah. You know? So it was kind of like an angry... It was like a relationship, really, like that just you got tired of. You know what I'm saying? Like you've been mm -hmm. with this bitch, you know, excuse my language, but nah, you good, you good, you good, you good. So it's like, you know, I, and this is this is the things I get. So and it was it was kind of from an angry place, a disappointed place. Um every place but a happy one. Yeah. So with me actually reinventing myself, gaining weight, hitting the gym growing hair, changing my outward appearance, that actually helped regain some of the love for it because it made me restart because being drunk, I'm a sober dude doing a drunk nigga set. So um, it helped me because it helped spark that fire because I couldn't just go up there and be Sean anymore. I had right. a look, a sober, you know, sober brain, uh, a brain. So, I had to change, so that's actually what relit my fire. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Still haven't made any comeback news. I'm not going on the road right now. I'm barely, like, I'm doing shows with other headliners. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that I'm not carrying too much of the weight of the show. So I'm really just in the gym shooting around right now. Right, right. So let go go back to the statement you made when you said you were a sober person doing a, a drunk person set. So before the uh the hiatus, so would you say you would you would always go on stage like 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 lit up? Like you would would you would drink to the point well, where you was the last ten years I had a really bad problem with alcoholism. I just mm -hmm. um it wasn't a public thing that I talked about then, but now I could talk about it comfortably because A is behind me and B um, you never know who's listening that can be inspired to make that change. Like, right. I'm in the help of somebody, well, mo multiple people, but somebody specifically, they're on day 13. This is day 13th day of sobriety. So I make sure that I talk to them. And if they need me, we talk. And I'm telling them the alternatives because, like, I'll drink a Heineken Zero because I like the taste of beer. I just don't like being drunk, you know. So sometimes you find a suitable replacement. As long as it's not messing with my, you know, uh, alter my mind state, then I'm fine with it. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's deep, man. Um, and I did like that's something I don't know, but like this, like, uh, and that's just a personal like how I was like coming in the game. I just want I never wanted to be outside of my normal self on stage. Like I never wanted to forget something or or be tore down or whatever. That's just not my makeup or how I do things. After the show, I don't give a damn. But like on the show, I, I just would never be that way. He's like, yo, get something to drink. But I'm like, nah, oh, well, let's, you know, I'll just do that. Like, nah, I'm awake. You know what I'm saying? I don't want, I don't want to do nothing like that. But some people, some people can function that way. Like some people have the ability to be like, yo, I don't, I don't, I'm not getting on stage till I have this or I do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I know, I know comedians that won't get on stage unless they smoke first. And yeah. that, and that, that's another one. Like that part to me, I just don't. And I don't smoke. I smoke cigars, but I don't smoke weed. And that's probably why I don't. I don't get that part of it because I'm like, why would you want to be outside of what your normal self on stage? And you're like, nah, you don't get it. I like, I guess I don't. You know what I mean? Like, like I well, just... the the reason that I did. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I all my cultures from being a veteran to to television encouraged alcoholism and drug use. Mm -hmm. So, um, something that a lot of people don't know is that I used to get horrible and still do horrible, horrible stage fright. Um, okay. And so the drinking was actually a coping mechanism for me to even get on stage. Once okay. I got, I would calm down, but I'm even now I'm still a nervous, completely nervous right before I go on stage. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't consider like a fear or anything, but. Uh, I definitely get more nervous than people think. And then the the better I became, quote unquote, and the more expected of me, the more nervous that I actually got because, you know, you have people 
you know, like what you said earlier, uh, I tell people all the time, watch the clips or whatever, and see people throw out little shit like goat and all this now because I'm older. And and um, so that's a lot of pressure. That's part of mm-hmm. why I strayed away from the limelight as long as I did. But yeah. if, this time, I don't think I'm going to be able to shed it. Yeah, I mean, that's... And that and, and that's something like I guess I would never. That's some people. A lot of people don't think about that with comedians. Like um, some people ask me if I do get nervous. I never get nervous. That's why I felt like I would be good at doing comedy because I don't get the stage right. Like I don't. That doesn't bother me. I feel more comfortable on than I do off. And that was like the whole. Like my nervous or my anxiety might come from something else, but it won't ever come from being on stage. And that was that was a that was a strange thing too for some people. Yeah, all my anxiety is the stage, especially like I said, when when people start putting titles and and all that, on, it makes it even worse. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it instead takes, of you having a good time, I, yeah. I tell young comedians all the time, enjoy your position because it comes to a point where, you know, like you'll see comedians say, "Why is this nigga telling the same jokes for ten years?" That's because it worked, and you you've made them uncomfortable to step outside of their comfort zone because. You put this bar up so high. Like sometimes people can't follow themselves. The, wow. the, so so um, I tell people, enjoy the position that you're in now. You know what I mean? Because eventually it won't be as fun because it's so much pressure. Like even when I came back, everybody's like, oh, you back, you back. And I'm like, nah, I, I still got a lot of work to do. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. You know, I appreciate the fact that people are acting like I'm back in my old swinging forms, but I'm not, I can see it yeah. myself. And so like, uh, I was talking to a guy yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he was like, you you just being too hard on yourself. I said, no, this is what I have to work through. There are parts of my set that I lose people. And I, luckily I have the material and the wherewithal to get them back. Wow. But that means that I'm doing a good job. I said, so if, a, if, I, if I'm a parent and my wife drops the kids off every weekend, and I lose them Friday and just so happen to find them again before she picked them up on Monday. Is that great parenting? You know right. what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, you know, he's like, well, I see what you mean, but it's kind of different because you're not losing them, losing them. I'm like, if I'm losing them, I lost them. Yeah, and man. Until I'm consistent throughout the set. Not that right. I didn't have a good set, but until I'm consistent throughout the set is right. when comfortable and say okay I'm, I'm coming back to form but right now like i'll get because i'll do a show and yeah it'd be a great laugh here and then dead air and great laugh there dead air so i'm trying to eliminate the dead air parts yeah. of it yeah. boom and we all know that's good but that's a, I- yeah that's a that's a great uh and anybody like listening i always like explain to people this podcast is really for somebody that's learning, trying to learn about comedy, you know what I mean? And what you explained is perfect. Like somebody that's trying to develop a new set or new material, that's exactly what we do. Like we 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 plug it in between the stuff we know that will work. So when you put it in there and you go, and this still needs something else. Like I, I this ain't last, this, I ain't getting the last per minute that I usually get with my other material. I got to sharpen this up. But, but then again, what if it's a joke that it ain't meant for everybody to laugh at. What if it's a joke that is, is meant for people to understand and maybe seven people laugh? Like, do you do well, you accept that as a joke or are you like, nah, I don't like that? Well, I, I'm a person who I, I tell people all the time, I, I make jokes for everybody. Mm-hmm. So if you're not that smart, you get it. But if you're smart, you really get it. Right, right. So- that's what I, I pride myself on being able to do. I transcend intellect, color, and gender. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, white people enjoy me just as much as blacks. Women like me as much as men. And that's important for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's important for me. So, as, as long as I'm able to, to do that, I'm kind of happy with what's what's going on at that particular moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do do you do you put in the new material that you're coming up with or do, do stuff? Are you talking at all about the the alcoholism at all? Is there any jokes in there about that, or is that something you just don't um, touch right now? Nah, it's it's mostly um, 
talking about pandemics, learning myself, finding myself within it, but not yeah. so much about the drinking. Because once, once I talk about it, um, it's over, you know. So it's it's yeah. nothing. And my friend was like, "You should tell some of them drunk ass stories." And I was like, "No, nah, I didn't." Uh, become sober to to live in a, a life of being. <laughs> drunk. So, yeah. Uh, I, Talk about it briefly. Like I do say on stage that I'm a, a, a sober nigga doing the drug niggas jokes. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. That's the most I touch on it. Everything else kind of just grows as as far as the pandemic. Yeah. The the first time I was introduced to you, um, I guess comedically to be able to see you was on um, was it Who's Got Jokes? Yeah. Um, and I just like your style was fun. I was just laughing where you was talking like that. That had me laughing from the beginning. I was like, yo, this dude, you just reminded me of somebody I went to high school with, like somebody I could like somebody I would get in trouble with every day and be in detention with. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this dude gonna have me laughing. You know what I mean? So it was funny to me because I was like, yo, dude, dude style was funny just the way he talked. Um, and what was that like? Like, how did you end up on that show? And uh, what was that like, though? That whole experience? <laughs> Wow, every, every, I hate saying this, but it's the truth. So, who got jokes, right? Mm -hmm. I seen season one. Yeah. And I really, at the time, didn't care for it. Right. Um, because I love Bill Bellamy. Mm -hmm. I love Ronnie Perry. I love Tommy, rest in peace. But I just, the second half of the show is what I had the issue with. And that was like the stunts and whatever they was doing. Right, so right, I, right. rest of the show was cool, but when they added that element, it kind of turned me off because I was like, yo, comedy is hard enough. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Obstacle course to right. add. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, so the first season I didn't, I wasn't very interested in ever doing it. Mm. And so the second season, um, everything went off TV. Bad Boys was gone. One coming back for the third season. Uh, Def Jam was gone. Comedy View was canceled. Uh, they did that one mic stand thing that kept the hosted or whatever, but nothing was coming back. So it was like, okay, who got jokes is only TV out. Right. So I reluctantly did it. And, and you know, through the grace of God, I was able to win the entire competition, but going through it gave me a different um, viewpoint of right. the obstacle thing because I seen people respond to it brilliantly and I seen people respond to it not so brilliantly. And so that's what separated people from winning it or going far from the people who couldn't do that. So right. it gave me a different level of appreciation for the show by actually not just winning it, but being in it and seeing it from the outside, looking in, how they would try to trip people up. And some people were completely unfazed by it. And there was right. a true talent to their talent level. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, made me look at it different. Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess being <clears throat> being in a situation you were in, when you're saying your, your anxiety, you being nervous, you definitely don't need any obstacles coming your way on stage. And we all deal with it on a regular basis when we're doing shows and you have stuff happen in the audience, but you don't want to be on TV and some BS is or bullshit is happening. Like, you know, as you come in through, like, come on, man. You know, you met you got me looking stupid on TV right now, as opposed to right. you know, being in a at the club, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I think the wildest thing, one of the wildest things happened. I had to kick somebody out of my show one time. Uh, she was filming me. She was filming, she was like had me on Snapchat like the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, yo, you gotta put your phone up. She's like, I want I want my friends to see you on Snapchat. I'm like, nah. They told you in the beginning, don't don't record the um, comedians. I was like, you take me put the phone down. I'll explain to you why in a minute. You know what I mean? She wouldn't put it down. And I was like, yo, I told the dude to come get her. And it was a wrestling match. I was like, yo, like that joint. I started yeah. damn commentating the wrestling match and shit. And uh, they threw her ass out. And uh, when I when I got off stage, the cops was resting her. Like I was just like. You know, it's it's like you can't prepare yourself for something stupid like that. But you just yeah. basically like, yo, like put the phone down. Like, why are you recording me? You know what I mean? But well, I, I, if if you see it, like when I see it, I address it. That's the first thing that I say when I go on stage and I explain why. Like, this is what I'm touring with. 
And if you exposing this before I get to other people, you're basically spoiling my movie. Yeah. You know, what I mean? you yeah. you give you to the movie with the whole plot. Right. So explain it to people in that way, and they kind of sit their phones down like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Like sometimes you just have to be delicate in explaining why. Like this is what I'm currently doing. And right now you're spoiling. You're, you're throwing spoilers out for the people who, yeah, it's cute if it go viral, but now it puts me behind the eight ball because now I've got to come up with something different because you're not ready to let the cat out the bed. Yeah, yeah. Some some people on their own selfish bullshit is going to ignore that, though. Like, people don't care about themselves. That COVID is a perfect example of that. People don't care about nobody but themselves. Um you know, for me to see last night and watch that game and watch 65,000 people standing out in that damn arena area, I'm like, yo, y'all wilding. Like, I'm sitting there like, like yeah. the pandemic is still going on. But, like, people don't care. People have been locked up in the house for a year. They don't care right now. They're not going to care unless it starts hitting home again. You know, people, yeah. don't, people don't care unless it hits home. Yeah. You know? And that's just... Not, that's just um. Like uh, Chicago's getting bad again, and they're talking about going back to phase one. You know what I mean? Because masks, all that, they don't even do it anymore. I get laughed at because I'm the only cat to still wear a mask and yeah. walk around with sanitizer. But, you know, like my friend, he he's uh, vaccinated and I'm not vaccinated. And I don't give any opinions on if you do it or if you don't. It's uh, individual preference, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but he keeps trying to make me get this 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 vaccine. Mm-hmm. And so last week he caught a cold. And I was like, how are you trying to sell me on some shit? And you have a cold right now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, because <laughs> I'm careful. Whereas right. to that shot made you relax. You relax and now you're sick. Yeah, yeah. Now let me ask you. Let me ask you. Do you feel like in Chicago, do you think like the the mindset is the majority haven't got hasn't gotten the vaccine, or do you feel like nah, they most of the people do have it? No, it's uh, it's probably forty percent that don't sixty. I mean, forty percent that doing sixty, or maybe even thirty five, sixty five. You know, that okay. do. You ask okay. people, it's maybe ten out of. 20 out of 30 or uh, 30 out of 100 people a clap. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's not a very big thing, but this is the part that kills me about it. A lot of people are vaccinated, but they're not at the same time because you're not supposed to drink for 30 to 60 days, depending on which shot you took. Yeah, right. A lot of people get the shot and they go right out and have a cocktail. You might as well not take the motherfucker. You know what I'm right. saying? So, right, right. Um, it's, it's hypocritical because most people took it and it ain't going to be as effective anyway because they drink. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I hear everybody, nobody wears masks, but less than half the people are vaccinated. That's why it's spiking. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I did get the vaccine and, but I don't, I don't wear my mask, uh, in places like if I go to the grocery store. Or if I go to, you know, a cigar lounge, like I'm not wearing my mask. But I probably feel like I probably should start wearing it again, like just based off the fact that the numbers are spiking. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's it's strange. Like I got it and my kid, I got my kids to get it because they want to play sports. And I'm like, look, y'all need as much protection as y'all can get. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. You know what I mean? So. Well, uh, I don't. This is my thing, right? It, everybody argues about the shot, uh, whatever. It's individual preference. If you feel like you have an underlying health issue or if you feel like you just don't want to take the chance of perhaps catching it and having to fight for your life, literally, I have I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, get into the conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. It, just, <laughs> it, it is what it is. If you yeah. choose to do to do so um but vaccinated people are a bigger problem than than the news is letting on for a reason because it's when people talked about the mask it showed how 
dumb a lot of people were, that this split people, this mass. The right. mass stop spit particles, right? Right. If you know anything about a cold, a cold has to go in your mouth, your nose, or your eye. That's the only way. If it gets on your skin, your, your, your immune system on your skin is, is heavy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's why all the little bugs and shit that try to grow can't grow on you till you die. You know what I mean? Your, your mm -hmm. immune system on your skin is, is super heavy. And so it has to go in your eye, your nose, or your mouth. So if you covering this, right. the only thing you care about is your eyes. So a person crying over you directly and it dripping in your eye is damn near impossible. So as long as this spit ain't hitting people in the eye, then it's effective. As long right. as this spit ain't flying out your mouth and landing on something and then somebody else come up and pick it up and then touch their eyes and nose and mouth, then the masks were completely effective. And the fact that people didn't understand that very simple ideology of why that mask was important showed how far behind mentally we really were as people. I'm gonna tell you what make I'm gonna tell you what make and here's the thing. You can explain that to I don't know how many you can do a video and tell that to I don't know how many people, right? But Facebook make us all dumb because we have people who are uneducated that will share a meme or post something dumb and everybody will agree to it. And I go, y'all don't make no sense. Y'all, you know, it don't take much time to do the research and figure out for yourself whether something makes sense or whether it don't make sense. Yeah. And and I and I told I told one of my friends this. Okay, the vaccine. All right, people are like, oh man, it's a conspiracy theory. They trying to kill us. Da da da. They gonna make y'all zombies or whatever. I said, listen, if the vaccine find up end up killing everybody, all the doctors and nurses took that shit. If they die, I don't wanna be around this motherfucker anyway. Like I wanna be here with y'all motherfuckers. Facebook doctors trying to fucking fix my ass if I need surgery. Like I wanna be. I'm, right. a, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like so. Right. That was no. how I looked at it. You know what I mean? That's a good thing to think about. Yeah, I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I feel exactly where you're coming from. Um, yeah. I, with me, I was a bit of a germaphobe anyway, so yeah. the, none of this shit really bothered me because I washed my hands in a, a with a clean cat of cat anyway. So um, that part of it has always been like dismissive to me, like the turning into zombies or whatever. Um, <laughs> my, my thing is. If with the mad, the non-vaccinated people can catch it, it just won't kill them. But they can still kill other people who Thank are you. not. Yeah. So that's like the, tr the 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 trick that they're doing to get everybody vaccinated. Instead of just telling everybody to keep the mask on, they're letting vaccinated people feel as though they're not a danger to other people because right. they danger themselves. And that's why really, you know, going to shit. It's spiking, yeah. I mean, I don't know, CDC going to come out and say something in the next couple of weeks. They're trying to get everybody through their summer. That's what they're trying to do. They're going to let everybody get through their summer and they ain't going to shut everything back down like they did last year. And it's just, it's just, it's going to be dumb because people just don't want to be in the house no more. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm, the only thing I did when I stayed in the house was save money. I saved mm -hmm. money. That's, that's about it. Like, uh, I'm an introvert. So I'm a weird Chardé ass nigga anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, like Sade only tours every seven years. All right, right. You know, comes out with an album or tours every seven years. So if I could do that, if I had the kind of nest egg where I could disappear from public eye for seven whole years, yeah, and come we'll do it absolutely. Because I'm a weird introverted person anyway. And it was funny because you can tell the people who lived from the people who didn't live. Like yeah. it's pictures doing hookah in the '90s, bro. Right, it's right, only, right, right. You know what I'm saying we was I, in, in in driving phantoms in in, in the nineties. So uh, none of this shit is really new. Mm -hmm. So when it's like, okay, well you can't do this. Like I met a chick and she was like, Well, I want to travel. It's like, well, I traveled two types of way. I traveled in the military, and then what I didn't cover there, I covered with comedy. So <laughs> right. now shit don't mean the same to me as it would for somebody who never left their neighborhood. But right. I can't not, you know, you can't never knock what, what other people are going through. But the pandemic wasn't that bad for me. It just, what I hate that it did, it put everybody on penitentiary time. Yeah. Like, people don't understand that if you know you got to be somewhere for 20 years, your brain will fix time to speed up to help you get through that shit. Yeah. And so, like, that's the only thing that I hate is that my brain is on jail time. Because I'll wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning, brush my teeth, look back at the clock, it's fucking 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, what the <laughs> 
<laughs> brush my teeth, y'all. <laughs> the penitentiary time part of it, but everything else I'm okay with. Yeah. But that penitentiary time is real, bro. Like people don't. I promise you, I could wake up, eat, and look at one movie or so. I think mentally, and look in seven out, seven eight hours to pass already. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. But that's I, what you do. It, it it can't. You can't be secluded to a, a house and your brain going normal time. Yeah. Yeah. I did I never thought of that either. That's a good, that's a good premise. That's a good premise for a joke, too. So you, you might want to keep yeah. that way. <laughs> we all on penitentiary time. That's why when we got paroled, everybody wants to be outside. Like, everybody wanted to go outside. Everybody wanted to go outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you what would you say uh, other than like you know being able to pick Bernie's brain and stuff like that? Who are some of the people that you admired like coming up in comedy? Hmm. Um, so true story mm -hmm. and people this is pretentious but once I became a comedian I stopped watching comedy I so, understand that I understand that my influences came before I actually started my own career so mm -hmm. the Bernie the Eddie Murphys the Richard Pryors those are my uh, the Chris Rocks and the, the, the Dave Chappelle's their earlier work but I, I literally don't watch other people. I'm like Prince. I don't want them influences. So I don't watch other people. And right. the fact that I influence so many only proves my point. Man. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that's, I get that part of it. Um, but, you know, I have like comedian friends that, hey, did you see so-and-so new special? And I'm like, nah, you, know, you got to see it. So I like y'all go on, you know, I'll check it out or whatever. I'm like, all right, that was cool. Now there's some people that I'm fans of that they come out with a special. I'm watching it. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to see, you know, just how they move, what they're talking about, just how they do their thing. Um, but if it's somebody that that's on the same tier level as me, I might not watch it. I might be like, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Call it subconscious inspiration. And the reason I don't do it is because. Like, and I don't think that everybody who has ever stolen from me did it purposely. I just mm -hmm. think that they were inspired by something that they seen 10 years ago and they, they redo it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, the thing about it is, you know, when you, when you really feel like you got a great, I'm gonna tell you what I do, Sean. If I come up with a joke and I think it's so great that I can't believe nobody ever came up with it, I start asking. I start asking other comedians like, yo, you ever heard something like this? You know what I mean? And they're like, nah, nah. Like I ain't, I ain't never heard that. And I'm like, I'm going to white comedians. I'm going to black comedians. I'm just talking because I want to make sure. I think the last time I did that, I did a joke about um, this lady at my job who was Asian and she was on a conference call and she spoke in broken English and the lady answered her in broken English. And I was like, yo, and I start arguing with the other lady, like, yo, that's insensitive. What the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? And the joke goes on and on and on. And then at the end, uh, I said, yo, kick her in the face. I, I said something like that. And then the lady was like, why would you assume she knew karate? And like that, that's like everybody started laughing at this shit. And I said, hey, that's, that's not karate. It's only karate if you use the noises. And that was the part that I was trying to figure out if somebody else had said that shit before, you know what I'm saying? And they was like, nah, I ain't hear it. But I say it now, everybody's like, yo, that shit funny as hell. And I go, they go, that, that shit might, that shit might be true though. And I was like, yeah, I say, I say, if you make the noise, then it's karate. Otherwise you're just kicking somebody. Right. Nah, that's funny as fuck. <laughs> like, I, I tell people all the time, the, a lot of my jokes have become stock. Like, I, and I see every day what my influence is. And sometimes I say, if, if given the opportunity, like you said, heaven is eternal, I would really want to see what the game would have been like without me in it at that point. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the older woman joke, true story. Yeah. You yeah. hear every, 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 every comedian got one now. You know what I mean? It's every, so bad, man. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Like, the comedian, I mean, the older lady joke, right? Yeah. Now, truth behind that joke, right? In what was it, 2003? Mm -hmm. uh, 2003, I did Comic View, right? 
And I was 2003, that puts me at 25, right? So the makeup artist, I never say her name, but right. we're still friends to this day. The makeup artist had like a little crush on me. She was like 40, bro. Right. Something in that age group. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm probably, no, in 2003, I was only, yeah, I was 24. Some, it was early 20s. Yeah, yeah. So um, it might have even been before then, because I think I did the first year of Comedy View in 2001. So let's mm -hmm. just say between 0103. I don't know. It gets plugged up there. So I'm still young. She's probably 40, right? So back then, you could have open-ended plane tickets. So she said, well, when are you going back? I said, well, I don't have no set date to go back. She said, okay, well, let's hang out a few days. So stay with her. And it was funny because she had daughters that was like right under me, like maybe 19 and 17. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they right under me a few years under, you know? So um, we would go out. And if the little girls didn't like the niggas that was hollering, they would tell them, that they can't talk to to me uh, to them because I was their father, and so it fucked everybody head up because they looking like the fuck, you know what I mean? <laughs> See, they did, and so that joke stemmed from her. Yeah, and there was no such things as cougars in two thousand one, two thousand two. Nah. It was right. older niggas. It was older niggas that dealt with young young women, but you ain't hear too much about older women. Fucking with younger men. Right. That wasn't a thing yet. Right. So I told that joke. Once I told that joke, and I, I'll never forget, and I, I I'll never forget it because I stole a part of the joke from somewhere. But I can admit that I stole a part of the joke. Because what I did was I had the older woman joke that was based on her, but I used the young man part from Family Guy. When it was I, I'll never forget it was the episode where Channing Tatum was fighting Mike Tyson. It was called Patriot Game. And see, this is when you steal and you admit it. Right, so right. Tatum kept getting beat up by Mike Tyson. She kept saying shit like when he hit her, is that it, young man? Is that all you going down? <laughs> that was the funniest shit. So I incorporated young man into, into the bit because it made it funny. Like I was like, old women don't take bad dick. Like, so I'd be like, yeah, you like that? And she'd be like, that ain't it, young man. That's where that <laughs> came from, from Family Guy. And I don't I don't lie about taking that from them. Um, but that joke, but that show you how far away or how long yeah. ago that joke was. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a stock joke, but it really was a joke about me and a real person. And, but, and it did blow my mind because it was a different experience dealing with an older woman. Yeah, so let me, but I would, I would say this. I think you miscategorizing your joke as the premise might be stock. Your joke is your joke, okay? The premise might be stock now, but nobody tells your joke because that's your story. Now, yeah, they can have the same premise, but it's still same, your joke. I see the same variance. I see the older women fuck right away. I see all the variants that I talk right, about. Right, 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 right. Little way, but the, the the point that I'm making is I know that this came from me because this wasn't even the thing when I started talking. Right, it was you. You cannot show me a person that a black comedian before the year 2002, 2003 that was talking about fucking with older women because they fuck on the first date. You can't show me that. If you do, I'll quit. What about what about uh rest in peace? What about Big Rome's joke though? Which one? Big Rome had one where he was talking about the old lady he was fucking. Yeah, Maybe. that's all of that. And see, and I don't like to go into that, but Big Rome used to actually stay with me. Oh no, are you serious? So, yeah. Are you so, serious? Yeah. Yeah, oh man! See, and I, so, I don't know the connection sometimes with comedians. I don't know who knows who or whatever. Yeah, but that, yeah. Again. Yeah. So, inspiration he was my friend yeah. um uh and, and all the way to the end literally yeah you yeah yeah but yeah. um subconscious inspiration he had been around yeah me. yeah so it, yeah. Not, yeah that and that you, kind of stuff happens man i you know i talk yeah I, that's why I, you say you don't look at other comedians but it's also smart sometimes not to hang around too many comedians yeah i mean you're gonna 
you're gonna pick shit up. You just yeah. gonna like I have a friend when I when I was doing a joke about a fat chick making cereal from scratch, and I'm like, Oh, that's this? one of my favorite jokes of yours, man. Like I even seen a skit where a nigga actually made cereal from scratch in the skit. <laughs> But I, 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 in the end of the joke, I'd be like, where does bitch find Rival flavor? And so I got <laughs> right. That stays with me a lot. We know each other for a long time. And he got a joke about Rival flavor. And it's wow. like, come on, nobody talked about Rival flavor nope. before. Before. It's not even Rival flavor. It's really Ribble flavor. Right. But I call it Rival because it just sounds ghettoer. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. But that's just. Um, one of the examples of how you can, even in conversation, influence people. Right. Uh, Sean, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up before the end of this episode. But that was my favorite joke of yours. When you, Every time <laughs> that joke there, by far, is the funniest shit. I, I told... Who I, I told that joke to somebody like two months ago. And I, I mentioned your name. I said, man, Sean Morgan, tell the joke about this chick. He waking up in the morning, her making cereal from scratch. And and they and they start laughing. I said, but you gotta hear him say that shit. Because <laughs> they not ready for it. It's just the whole setup. And and knowing, knowing you're gonna punch me in the face with this punchline is the is the is the key. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember that, man. I was like, dude, and it's so funny when people don't realize, like, as as comedians, how we know we about to punch you in the face. Like we know this overhand right about to come and you not even prepared for it. I even love watching the people that's fumbling around with their food or about to drink something and I'm about to tell this punchline. I'm like, watch her spit this damn shit out when I say that's this. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that joke again. Um 90% of my set, and this is what's funny. 90% of my set comes from a real place. Yeah. But exaggerated. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, the the joke from Bad Boys that really everybody was like, not just the runner from the dick joke, but the, the Batman symbol joke, when the chick bit the sandwich and bit the Batman <laughs> Like, that joke, <laughs> that joke was about a real person. Right, right, right. When I, literally, I moved back to Chicago from L.A. in 2000, 2001, right? right? So I was dating a little chick, and she was fine, bro. Like, complete nan, bodied up, whatever. Two big flaws. Right. We was in our early 20s, and she already had three kids. That was number one. And number two, I noticed that, like, when I got her number and everything like that, because that's when you had to write shit down. You had right, to write it down. right. She talked in a way that her upper lip did not move. And if she laughed, she would always kind of either laugh and pull it back down and hold it, or she would turn away. But I never knew what it was. So finally, I caught off guard, like you said, with a laugh. And then I seen that her front, like, three teeth was crooked. <laughs> right, so right. Out of that, this bitch was flawless in the kids. <laughs> in the kids. 20, 22 years old with three kids is a, much, is a bit much for a nigga. Right. But, um, so... That's where that joke came from. I was like, holy shit, this bitch is like she's about to say it. She's about to back <laughs> And I said that to my dude, and he started laughing. He's like, do you do that on stage? I was like, nah. He's like, nigga, you got it on stage. Yeah, I was like, yeah. he seen her, and he knew because she did the same shit. She, <laughs> oh, that, you know what I mean? Right, Never right. Let, and she had perfected talking without this lip movement. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's a they never move, bro. It was insanity. That's funny but as hell. Both of them jokes, the older chick joke was the makeup artist from Comic View. That joke with the Batman symbol was a chick that I dated. Like, I still remember her old house and everything. I don't even remember her name, but I remember her old house. Um, her, but name most Bruce, her name was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the thing. And and she used to feel a certain type of way because she knew that joke was about her. Right, right, right. But that's, but it's funny, yeah. I always gave her, her props because if if she would have if she got braces since then, and if she even looks 
moderately how she was back then, she's still a cold motherfucker to this day. Yeah. But with kids out the gate at 21, I'm sure she had a couple more since then. That's funny. I was telling a joke um, during my birthday bash. And, and I do 20 minutes of brand new material every time I do my birthday bash. But it was the pandemic, so I really didn't have time to stretch this 20 out. Like, I was like... I was going out there like, I hope this shit work. You know what I mean? Right. And I was telling a story about me being 22 years old and they was talking about Shakari Richardson and I was like, y'all getting on her. Like y'all made the best decisions when y'all was 21 years old. You know what I mean? I was like, I knocked my boy out when I was 21 playing a game. And then, and then I was like, what? And then I started telling the story on stage and I was like, I'm gonna leave his name out. I'm just gonna make a name up. I said, let's just say Brian Williams. But that's his real name and everybody in the crowd kind of knew who I was talking about. They was like, yo, why you say that dude's name? And I was like, nah, I made that up. They like, yo, it's like, yo, you yeah. wow. So it was like, it was like one of those things that like you just say that person's name, like, yo. And it was like one of those things, but I I, uh, I really was nervous about that. Like just doing 20 minutes of new material. Like I yeah. was just like, nah. That's, the, that's the, the, I think the toughest part about comedy is I do so many jokes loosely based on on fact that I have to. I actually do run it past people. Right. You know, what I mean? it's right. like I got a joke about uh, like everybody doing what beat up vagina look like. I said it looked like Italian beef twenty years ago. Now it's <laughs> in gajillion different things. But the joke actually came from a real person, and right. I lost that picture. I lost that picture, but my brother. Because this was before clouds and all that. Right. And Chick sent me a picture of her vagina, and it was the worst looking shit. Send <laughs> it. And I sent it to my brother. I was like, can you believe this shit? What is that? And we was laughing. And he was like, it looked like uh, this. And I was like, nah, the shit looked like Italian beef or like <laughs> when he, his mouth opened. Shit, no pussy looked like a predator mouth. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? <laughs> so that, like that whole little thing come from so when I started doing that joke <laughs> you knew she had just sent the picture like that so that'd be like the toughest part of being a comedian because life is funny but it, it can be hurtful for the people who who know that it's loosely about them but, but just yeah but here's the thing and I tell this too Sean like I tell people all the time like comedy is funny but just because I step in your yard don't mean that joke for you. That joke ain't for you. That joke for everybody else that's laughing. For you right. to be offended about the joke that you don't like. I hear people come up to me on, like, let me tell you the joke I didn't like. I'm like, let me tell you how I'm going to kick you down these stairs. Who are you to tell me what joke you don't like? Like, that joke wasn't for you. That joke was for everybody that laughed. You know what I mean? And it's like, some people feel so entitled. Like, this show is for me. And I go, no, it's for you and everybody else that came. You understand what I'm saying? But you're not going to like all these jokes. You know, some people don't get that, man. They just don't. You shouldn't talk about handicapped people. My sister handicapped. I'm like, all right, listen, listen I, if I don't know you personally. Question last night, and it's funny. I told people, and you can you can take this, you can take this um, and, 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 and use this, but it's the truth. You, because my friend was like, oh, with council culture, you can't talk about that. I said, let me explain something to you. You can talk about whatever you want to, as long as you leave zero space for criticism. If you seal the joke to where a person almost looks stupid questioning what you're talking about, they'll leave it alone. Right. Like, my friend was like, you're the only person that I know that got a gay joke that gay people laugh at. I'm like, yes, because I'm not being offensive. But I'm being honest and saying, how are you gay and you fuck with the opposite sex? I mean, the, the same sex that represents themselves as the opposite. In essence, you're straight. If you're a dude that's attracted by feminine dudes, you're attracted to femininity. You know what I'm saying? Right. So if you take out the error, because like I, I had this joke, well, it's a joke, and I say, I don't believe in lesbians because they use dildos and strap-ons, which mean they like dick. They just don't like my personality. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you can't dispute that. You can't say, oh, no, they don't use dildos. Oh, they don't use that shit. Now, I'm challenging you to prove me wrong. Right. 
Right. Because you can't say that you gave, but you like did. Right. 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 So so you you say, and that was funny because as soon as you said that, um, as long as you close it, where people almost feel dumb by addressing it, I have my gay joke that I tell, which is it took a while for me to get this shit to work. You know what I mean? But it was talking about true story. Found out a friend of mine was gay. He got missing. Nobody could find him. Lo and behold, when we found him, this dude was married to a dude. And we was like, yo. And one of my boys was like, yo, but he not gay though, right? I'm like, yo, this dude gay. Like, why else would he be married to a dude? You know what I mean? And, and then I said, um, so you just got missing? You know, his, his rationale was, yo, you know, we not going to be boys no more because I don't have to deal with y'all criticism. So we just not going to be friends no more. And I'm like, yo, that's messed up because we was boys. And just because you're going to hell don't mean we can't be friends on earth. You know what I mean? And then, so that's the that's the, that's the the worst part of the joke for gay people, right? Then I yeah. say, I like to thank all the Christians for laughing at that joke. I was like, because y'all yeah. judgmental as hell. And then I go into a whole scenario of what if God created... Uh, sins like the basketball tournament and 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 all sins had their own basketball team and if homosexuality had a basketball game against masturbation i just like my chances because masturbation played his own defense and then homosexuality played man to man and they was like <laughs> so so once i finished the joke i'm like so who who will be pissed off at this joke right now like are you mad at me or are you mad at and I had a lady come up to me after a show in Cincinnati. And she goes, that joke, gay joke was horrible. I said, what gay joke? She's like, the one about going to hell. I was like, that was a basketball joke. And this gay couple behind me, gay dudes was like, hell yeah, it was a basketball joke. We want a shirt. And I was like, and it was yeah. like one of those things. Yeah, most, of the, most people that's offended, the shit don't even apply to them anyway. They just feel like saying some shit. Karen. They just got to... There you go. And that's that's the that's the that's the main thing that came out in the pandemic is the word Karen. Like <laughs> how how important she is in society. <laughs> Man, been doing that shit. Karen Karen was the bitch in Rosewood. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. In Rosewood. Yeah, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So we we we, uh, we at the we at the hour. We at the top of the hour, man. Um, I'm gonna do this real quick before before we run out of time. And you really gotta go. Um, on the Bliss is Ignorant podcast, what I like to do is uh, if you ever watch the uh, film studios with James Lipton, he would fire questions off at the guests, and they would answer it with the first thing that came to their head, right? So mm-hmm. I remixed it, and I'm gonna do it for I'm gonna do it with you. Uh, so what's your favorite word? What's my favorite word? Bitch just popped up because it's too short, I guess. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that's my joint, right? <laughs> What's your least favorite word? Pussy. Yeah. I really hate that word. Uh, is it depending on who's saying it or just in general? Um, I If you notice, I will say it every now and again on stage to drive the point, but I really hate that word. Yeah, it yeah, disgusting to be right, right. All right, so I have a uh, a, a phrase I use, a, a, a slogan, if you will, behind me. TTBS. TTBS stands for anything and everything. Absolutely no control over your life. You cannot control these things. In other words, that's that bullshit, right? So in your mind, what's TTBS to you? What's that bull? What's that's that bullshit to you? Um, the fact that a woman with no money is a woman and a man that can't take care of her isn't a man. Damn. Say that again. Funny, <laughs> <laughs> it's a woman, but a man that can't take care of her isn't a man. Damn, bro. Yo, that's deep as shit. I might end that shit. <laughs> that shit deep as hell, bro. That shit deep as hell. Oh, okay. What's the opposite? Opposite of that's that bullshit is the shit. What's the shit to you? Getting older. Yeah. Like outside of knee pain is pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke. That's a joke right there, bro. Like, I'm sorry, though. That joke is. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I told I did, at my birthday I turned forty eight 
And I said on stage, man, I said, yo, at 48, man, I got to be more responsible, man. Like, you can't be doing irresponsible shit at 48. I was like, and ice cream, nigga, for me, ice cream is irresponsible. Like, for me to eat ice cream and not be heading home, that shit is irresponsible and childish. Oh, yeah. Like, that shit is like. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it if I got any bitches coming through. <laughs> I got to be, the, I got to be on the way home to eat ice cream, bro. I cannot be bullshit. I can't be hanging around. I can't be <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah. I'm the same way. I get that frothy shit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! All right, so, so if nobody knew who you were, and I had to introduce you to the world, uh, what's your walk on music? Uh. I don't know. Probably say hi to the bad guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you were if you were to end this career tomorrow, what would be your walk off music? What would be my uh, walk off music? Probably another Jay Z song. What more can I say? What more can I say? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, if you wasn't doing comedy, what do you feel like you would have been doing? I was an IT by trade. Yeah. Yeah. I went yeah. to school for computers and all that stuff. Uh-huh. I, I he wanted to be a lawyer as a kid. My my me and my brother, um, he he I forgot what he wanted to go to college for, but we played basketball. So he was gonna go to Michigan, I was gonna go to Duke and Hoop and uh go to law school and then he got killed in championship. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's tough. Um but, and everything people don't understand. Like it used to be tough when I didn't have a certain level of understanding. Yeah. But I that my brother dying put me on the path to comedy. So he did his job. Yeah. You see what so instead of competing with him for my father's love, which is what was happening, I was able to do what I was put here to do because he was no longer a distraction. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I, I stepped on stage in two thousand five after my twin sister passed away in 2002. And one of the reasons I stepped on stage was because I didn't want to end my life and say, I wish I had her. Exactly. So and yeah, things do happen for a reason. And a little mental nudge for you to get that. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened otherwise. I was, content. I, I, I was content in, in the relationship that I had with my sister. My humor, with, me making her laugh was humor enough for everybody for me. Like if, if I could get her to laugh, I was good. Right. Like she, everybody yeah. else be like, yo, you funny. And my sister, my sister be like, that was corny. But my, yeah, my, my, my motivation was to get her to laugh and shit. Really be a lawyer, married to some chick that I hate, and looking at TV, looking at whatever's on TV, like these niggas trash. I couldn't have <laughs> <wait."> <laughs> <laughs> and, Yeah, you And I really sometimes wonder, like, what would they be talking about? With no older bitches, none of these jokes that they took them at, what would they be talking about right now? Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to think about it. That is an interesting way to think about it. That's funny though. Um, so I'm I'm gonna end this, I'm gonna end this podcast, man. I'm gonna ask you to stay on because I'm gonna ask you something else other than the podcast, or whatever. But I'm gonna end this podcast, man. It's been great talking to you, man. Hopefully, I'll be able to bring you back on in the future. And uh yeah. anything you want to shout out uh before we get off. Nah, I got a riddle Saturday, 8 o'clock. But again, I'm not promoting anything heavy, heavy because I'm not doing a lot of the time. So I don't want people to come. And then by the time they sit down and get their popcorn, I'll be like, that's the time, bitch, it's back. <laughs> okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. No doubt, man. If you ever in the Charlotte area, man, I'm not on the road, man. Hit me up, man. I'll definitely be able to be looking forward to chopping it up with you, man. And um, it's been a long yeah. time, dude, but you've always been on my radar. I always kind of keep up with what's going on. Uh, through, through social media, man. So, you know, keep doing your thing. I'm sorry. That was an incoming call. Nah, you I, I had a certain block of time blocked off. And you can tell as soon as this, it, it came, the phone got busy. Yeah. No doubt, man. Appreciate you, man. And just hold on for a little bit before before we roll. Yeah, no doubt. All right.